You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, ascully and Sid Talk. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. Is this your test again? You smelly pirate hooker. Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not everyone watches your favorite movie. Don't. (laughs) It's not That's my a, favorite movie, but it is a very just funny Just do movie. a Google search for Smelly Pirate Hooker, and, and you'll find what he's talking about. <laughs> well, that he didn't make out. That's an old thing. It is. Yeah. So, oh. Enough. I, enough. Before the after the show discussion was this movie. And Red Dead Redemption 2. So. Yeah, which are things we will mention in this podcast. Correct. Red Dead Redemption 2 and this <laughs> And movie. this particular movie. All right, so I will get on with it. Get on with it. It is Saturday, November the 10th. This is After the Show. We are a movie review podcast, and this is our 556th episode. We're reviewing a movie this week. We're reviewing Black Klansman. It's a 2018 movie. It's released. Uh, it's out now. You can get it from our friends at Universal. It's out on digital. It's out on 4K. It's out on Blu-ray. It's out on DVD. What are you, a shill? And it is rated R for mature. Mature audiences only, wouldn't you say? Reasonable. Mature, but if you have children and you want to explain things or experience it, then I say go for that too. I do. Also. I trust the parents. So um, let's get the synopsis from our resident synopsiser, Sid Talk. Synopsisizer. It is a fictional movie about a true life investigation that a black man in the 70s, regardless of the time change in the movie, um, tried to infiltrate or get investigate or to investigate the Ku Klux Klan uh, at the time. And it's a Spike Lee envision joint joint for this story. True. So. If you've listened to After the Show many times, you will know my opinion of Spike Lee's movies, mostly. And I said last week, oh, this one, will, you know, maybe it will bug me, maybe it won't. But I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Now, enjoyed it. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable movie, I think. Yeah. Um, but like I said to you, I did find it funny. There is some humor in this movie, no matter what the subject matter is. But there's also a lot of uh, very political, um, not just talking about this story, talking about current day, but it does tie together because, you know, it's about black movement, you know, what would you call it? (laughs) I'm trying to think what it was called. Black Lives Matter. Mm Mm-hmm. So it ties to today because this is the start of something. This was the first African-American policeman in this division. What was the division again? In the city, Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs, yeah. For a whole city. And, you know, this guy decided to... We didn't even see that. That's the thing, though. You don't see any of that. He just does it. There's no, like, you don't know who he is or anything about him. Except that he is applying to be the first African-American police officer in this town. Because there's a sign that says, um, 
to say minorities welcome to apply or minorities encouraged to apply. And then the next thing you know, he gets the job and boom, he's on the phone calling the clan of his own volition. There is nothing about it in the discussion of anyone there. Well, there is the he, that he's working in the like the boring um, records department, and then he gets promoted to intelligence, is what the guy says. Mm-hmm. And then intelligence. But there's no like lead up to him doing this thing. He just sees no. the ad in the paper, and you don't even get an internal process or why he's motivated to do this none of that it just happens which i really like because you're just you're off and running as soon as he does it you're like oh here we go yeah so he he calls up just an from an ad in the paper the kkk to become a member obviously him being an african-american becoming a member wouldn't happen (laughs) if they actually saw his face so he uses another police officer to pretend to be him to go and join the KKK. Kylo Ren. Yeah. Mr. Adam Driver. And he he does infiltrate the... In, gets in there and gets within them. And it, I find it... I found it a really compelling story, actually, of what was going on. It felt tense at times. It was very awkward. It was very racially charged, obviously, because that's what this is all about. Uh, Spike Lee doesn't... Um, beat around the bush the n-word is used in full effect everywhere and it feels more realistic for that i think and not some people criticize tarantino for doing it don't they mm-hmm. um because tarantino's not a black guy is why but it's done in the same way i think the way I think Tar- the argument is always the same though not just who the director is but are you telling a story or trying to sensationalize. Yeah, are yeah. you telling a story without the use of these sort of like I say, if you're a chef and you use butter and everything, you are cheating, right? Because it tastes good no matter what you do with it. It's going to taste better. So if you take these things that all either are, you could use any tropes from movies at all. You could use the sick child, the dying mother, the the any war and pick a side, you know, any of those things that are immediately going to charge up a person one way or the other, almost always. And so when you throw that in there, is that because you're telling the story about that and how that is so divisive? Or are you just using that to say like, this is the story I'm telling, but this is my shortcut. You know, and while it might be realistic in some areas, and you could use that for any any type of you know cultural things, like it's a shorthand to one type of person and shorthand to another. It means different things to different people, and it is relevant because that's how people talk. Or is it just here? It is here. It is here. It is here. It is. You know, like get get offended or back it up without the story part. And like we discussed. You know, Spike Lee tells stories, but the message is always bigger, which is fine. That's what storytelling really is about, right? Yeah. It's about tales of human choices and what can happen, this side or the other. So I just think that he, like you have said before, his style is, this is me. This is what I think about the world and this subject. And here it is on a plate. It is exactly There's that no style. subtlety. Yeah. And uh, this movie, like I said to you, 
there are movies of Spike Lee where all of you're watching the movie and the you know the plot is taking place, and then all of a sudden there is something like a almost feels like you're being lectured to all of a sudden. It might be a speech, it might be just a character monologuing the twenty fifth hour. Mm-hmm. It might be Inside Man, where he just talks to somebody on the street and it sounds like you're being preached to. And it happens within Spike Lee movies. And it often, I don't care what he, I mean, I do care what he has to say because it's usually important. But um, it it feels out of place. It doesn't feel like it is crafted into the movie. It feels like the movie is a thing and then the messages are this other thing. And I've felt that quite a few times with his movies, aside from Miracle at St. Anna, which even though it dealt with a racially a racial issue it didn't hammer it over the he- over your head it came across as a straight up war movie but then what do i say to you <laughs> because we are on the on a different side or different you know we experience that issue in a different way we are both white european you're literally european you're from england i am and so our interpretation or our sensibilities are going to be different than a person who lives it. And so for us to say, and I'm not saying we can't have an opinion, because I feel the heavy-handedness too. Like, okay, I get it. I get it. Racism sh- sucks. This has been my whole life of saying that. But I get what he's saying. And you feel like, tell me some more about the people. Tell me some more of your story. Tell me some more of every side of it, not just that one thing. But that's because I'm not in that thing. Yeah. And so my bias... Puts up a few like, oop, whoop, whoop, it's, it's too much, it's too much, right? So I have a hard time gauging what's the right amount. And I don't know if it's reasonable to say it unless I've lived it. Like, if I'm watching a movie about women, you know, ba- you know about women's issues or about fem- being female in the world... I can get I can get behind that and I can say, oh, that is totally not accurate, at least not for my woman experience, because I've lived it, I've done it. I would be less critical of someone who's really pushing forward maybe a feminist agenda or the woman, the life of a woman. Whereas you might sit there and go, okay, I get it. Being a woman's hard. Get over it. The message is I too might much. Not, I wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you get it as far as the message, if it's yeah. being hammered into you from your perspective. You know what I'm saying? So Now, the, this movie, it does suffer from those things, I do think. There's a, there's a speech at the beginning, which is given by this Kwame Ture guy. And it, it's very pointed, obviously, but it does, it does fit within the plot. But then there's the bit in the middle with, what's the guy called? The old guy. Belafonte. Yeah. That feels shoehorned into me. It feels... Oh, I felt that was the most appropriate part of the whole movie. I just, I don't even know if it belonged. I mean, I know it belongs in the movie because it's the message. But it just felt out of place. It's, it was the moment where I was like, oh, here we go. It's breaking my immersion of the movie. Mm, I totally disagree because I felt like it was the most appropriate way to tell that story. And then at the very end, there is a portion of, it's almost documentary. Well, it is, it's just real life footage at the end, which is, I said, I turned to you and said, okay, now it's become the most spikely of movies, right? Like at this part, because it's not subtle at all. It's literally... Here are, here are some real life events. 
And yeah. Here is a here is President Trump talking, and here is the you know American flag hung upside down. I mean, it. it I don't is know what that symbolizes. It must be something, but I don't know what it is. It's. Uh, it doesn't bother me because they didn't come into my house and take my flag off the wall and turn my flag upside down. Even if it, whatever it means, it. It must have a meaning that I'm just not. I don't know about. Um, and while that ending sequence is very powerful, I, f- I definitely felt the power of that. It felt like it was just I was watching a Spike Lee like propaganda movie or something. Some little thing that he made for the web like to say like look this is my stance on things look at these things i know he's not saying well he is people say oh no he's not being biased anyway he's just showing you what happens and you make your own decision but i don't feel like that's the way he's going about it he's showing you what happens and then skewing it very a particular way right i don't know if there's it it seemed like a stab at donald trump to me and i don't mind a stab at donald trump but (laughs) that's what that seemed like on the end of his movie. But it's not really, because that's reality. The things that he showed, it isn't an interpretation. It wasn't an actor. It wasn't taking bits and pieces and writing a new narrative for the news clips that we've been watching for the last two years. It was, here's a news clip. Here's a news clip. Here's what the president said about it. I mean, if we're all grown-ups here, and if you watch those things, there's that's the truth. And people who say, well, it's heavy-handed or he's trying to tell me something different. No, that's real. And so if you feel like it's too much, I just wonder, like, what what does a person have to do to tell their point of view then other than show you the truth? This is real. So I I don't know why that feels I think I know the truth. And within this movie, that doesn't feel like part of it to me. But that is the whole, that is it. I don't know. That it's the the comment in the movie, the one thing when he said, what we need to do is get it into everyday life, get it into where it is just a commonplace that you get people in politics and in government who just slowly tell you about these issues that on the underside of it is to point at different races, different cultures, and to lower them down, to raise you up, but it's subtle. And someday we'll have a president who, you know, supports all this. And he's like, no way. And then you see (laughs) there's a president who does that. That's not an interpretation. That's like, oh, right. I mean, you know, it's just like a little bit of education. Then you can go look it up for yourself. But I felt like it was a he was telling a story better to me than I've had him in a long time. So, and the other thing I'm not particularly fond of, and this isn't a Spike Lee thing, this is just filmmakers in general. Is this is a true story that was wrote by the guy into a book, and this movie is very different from the real life. Yeah. Now, it's very different just for the sake of making it more interesting, right? It's making it more of a Hollywood Making kind of, it more yeah. like, you know, we'll have an explosion. There isn't an explosion in the real life story, but in the movie there is an explosion, right? It's 
Well, that's because there were bombings by KKK on right. things like that church where those little but girls died. But he's messing died. with the real story and uh, embellishing on it with other things that happened, you know? Right. It's a combination of here's what they're capable of. Here's what we're trying to thwart. It's a real thing, you but, know, but it didn't happen in this particular story. Right. And some characters don't exist in real life and, you know, there's different... Go and read, um, go to History versus Hollywood. They're a really good site that actually show you, they compare the movie to the real life story and show you the differences, even with pictures of the real people. Um, it's always a very good resource for me after I've watched a movie like this and I watch it thinking, is it, this is the truth? If this is the truth, this is really like an incredible story. And then when I go and read it, it's like, oh, the actual real story stops about halfway through the movie, right? And then the fiction takes over. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be aware of that because that does happen here. But the core story of this, uh, you know, an African-American infiltrating the KKK, it sounds ridiculous. Like we saw that movie Pain and Gain, which also seems ridiculous while you're watching it, but they are actual true events. Um, I find that core story really interesting. It's really dangerous but saying that also i thought it was a bit it's not accurate to say an african-american man infiltrates the kkk no it's a bit of a like trojan horse type thing yeah he didn't like put on white face makeup or anything like that and then convince them that he's white man it wasn't like that no he uh you know another guy he got he did the over the telephone stuff and the another police officer did the Actual meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be at risk, basically. So the Black Klansman was actually a white guy. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason he is a Black Klansman and in real life is he actually got the membership card for being a member of the KKK with the black detective's name on it. So he was officially a Black Klansman. So, you know, that would have been an embarrassment for the KKK. And they tried to also that phone call at the end where they try and like go to the guy. Yeah. It's a bit, that's a bit heavy handed to me as well, because that's not I agree with that one. Yeah, it just was like, let's have a really fun, if you could say it's fun, ending. But as I was watching it, I was like, oh. It was like, yeah, that felt forced as in, you know, we want this guy to be able to express to this David Duke guy what a loser he is or something and then that just felt a bit yeah it felt tacked on to make like the crowd cheer at the end yeah um you know because i would hate to say this the actual the actual um caper so to speak like the infiltration and what becomes of it it actually pretty anticlimactic yeah, I asked you at the end, like, what was it they were doing? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, I get the whole point. When they sit in an office at the end and say, yeah, we're just going to stop this now. So everybody stop doing what you're doing. The end. You know? like, And you're like, and I was, like, asking questions to myself. I was like, why are we stopping? Oh, he said it was something to do with money? Like, yeah, and did money? they bring down the KKK? Did they get David Duke arrested? No, none of that happened. Like, there has actually, what was the, well, in real life, let me say, the and it's only very briefly shown in the movie. There's a scene where they're going burn the KKK burning these crosses, you know, to 
show, you know, even the guy says, oh, they they show up for miles, like, they're, they're awesome, like, you know, we burn them and people take notice. I've never quite understood the point of cross-burning. Mm. I mean, I'm not a KKK person, but so I've never quite understood what you're... Is it some ancient ritual that means something to somebody? It just seems really stupid. Well, like, I, think, I think back in the day, they, they weren't just crosses with it. They were crucified um, men or women, right? On crosses. Right, but what are you saying? Like, Because they're supposed to be like these hardcore Christian people. Is this a slam yeah. against <laughs> Christianity? As I've never, ever, ever understood flag or cross burning. But in the movie, there's a very small scene, and it's small, of them doing some cross burning, and the it shows you quite clearly that because of what, because of what these two guys work, they're doing, they send a load of cops, and it puts them off doing the cross burning. Now, in real life, that happened multiple times. So when they like say in the real life story, oh, what exactly did this do for anybody? Well, they say, well, we stopped multiple cross burnings and that would have stopped lots of people seeing this and them being invaded by that in their mind. Sure. And that that's totally noble. I get it. But that's anticlimactic but that was never, kind of. Yeah, and it was never brought across that that was an objective, really. No. Um, that was missed out there. So I think your argument that the message is bigger than the movie is reasonable yeah. when it comes to like, yeah, what was the actual? One of the most poignant moments in the movie for me, um, and I don't know if this was real or not, was they take Adam Driver out to to practice shooting at shooting range and you see him shoot, shooting in the woods at the, at the targets or whatever. And then later you see um, Ron Stalworth turn up and he walks towards the targets that we haven't seen yet with the holes in them. And they're really awful racist depictions of, like, African tribe people or something. Yeah. And it's horrible with big lips and everything. And the and the music's really epic at that point. And the way he's looking at it, it, it just felt really true to me, that part. And, I, and it's like a really small thing. But that was the part where I was like, wow, this epic music... And this horrible racist I don't think it was thing. small, but yeah, I think that was one of the big points, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, it wasn't like, it was just a, mo- a smaller moment. Like, it wasn't an action scene, it wasn't anything. Really. True. It was just this, and he, do, he does, I do have to say in this movie, um, he uses really awesome music. It's almost like a spaghetti western. That's what I kept thinking of, like, um, Good, the Bad and the Ugly or something. It's this very, like, orchestrated um, soundtrack that keeps welling up and it feels very important or something and it kept it, it kind of moves you a bit and there's also you know other there's no rap music in this which Spike Lee is heavy on usually there actually is none but there, there's some old like Motown stuff but I like the soundtrack a lot it reminded me of westerns and uh, you know this guy Ron Starworth with his with his cop badge on and walking up to these things with this epic music playing. Yeah. It just felt really big. So um, did you, uh, was there anything you disliked? Or did you just like uh, same things as me? Or um, There's nothing I disliked. And I felt like it was a reasonable, it's not a balanced thing. Like the one person said, you know, he, Spike Lee just lays it out there for you to make your own decisions. No, he doesn't. He says, he shows you. 
what it is. He shows you the ritual of, well, from what I guess he would have gathered or researched is the process of becoming a Ku Klux Klan member. And so that ritual with everybody in their robes and their stupid hats and their stupid hoods and like this pledge that you have to take and then keep contrasting that with Belafonte telling the story of the young man who was lynched and burned and or burned alive, you know, and then the postcards were made out of the pictures of his burnt corpse and everything just back and forth, back and forth. This like this over here is a Ku Klux Klan. This is the formal sanctioning of it. It doesn't sound like racism to them to the people in the organization, as they like to call it. But it's the sanctioning of it, and, like, you're committing your life to it, and then you know, then you're hearing this other story of how that comes to actions and harms people. So it's, like, really what's happened, what happens in real life, and yet it is all toward how it's bad. Yeah. It doesn't let you say, well, Ku Klux Klan has a point. Like, oh, there's no, no, no room for that. Like, because there isn't. I mean, I'll be the first one to say there isn't. It's bullshit. There it's is no all point. bullshit. No. And you can argue with me all you want and you will lose because there's no argument that makes sense from that point of view. Equally from any race, religion, or whatever, that you are not superior in any way to anyone. You just are not. I don't care what you tell me or what evidence you think you have you are not so their point is bullshit but they go through this heavy ritual it's like little tiny boys in their little boy club in a little tree house and you have to put your little hand up and say no girls allowed and you will that's what it seemed like to me and so i'm you know i'm biased against it probably immediately but yeah he doesn't give you a choice other than if you are already thinking that the Ku Klux Klan has a point about white pride. You know, that oh, we've been done wrong and we, we don't get to have our white pride and our European pride. If you already think that, this is going to make you pissed off that somebody's trying to take that away from you. Yeah. And if you're a person who just thinks like, what the fuck is up with racism? What is wrong with you people? Then this movie's going to support that as well. It's a very confirmation bias kind of a movie, which is fine. But I don't like people claiming that he's doing a documentary-style thing here. No. What I really like about it is it will definitely spark conversation, probably more than yeah. any movies I've watched this year, any other movie I've watched this year, because it it's a conversation starter for sure. Well, God, yeah. And it's also entertaining in a weird way. You can't say, oh, it's entertaining watching a load of people you know, be racist and... Uh, <laughs> But there again, you're watching some people fight against racism all also. And you're also Spike Lee. <laughs> he makes the KKK people, they're a bit cartoonish. Um, I thought David Duke was the least of them and that Walter guy. Yeah. Um, but, but a yeah, lot they, of the other ones were like, they were a bit too cartoonish. Yeah, although I've known in my own life extremely racist people. Who would fit very well into that. And they're kind of like that. They are not yeah. like a whole... Oh, that sounds really awful. But it's like like they're not really a whole person. No. They've the, taken on a thing and it becomes this like caricature of who they think they should be. And it gets a bit weird. Yeah. So it seems kind of right. But yeah, they were a bit over the top. 
Yeah, and um, like the Walter guy, like you just said, he felt scary, like uh, like a real Felix. person who was kind of frightening to me. Felix was the scary one. Felix, yeah. yeah. Felix and Walter, actually. Walter seemed scary to me also because he was this kind of calm... He's a racist at heart, right? Absolutely. And he'll do those <laughs> racist things. He tries to... He tries to be like the order kind of guy in this group. He's the leader of them. But still he's capable of whatever he's capable of. See, even this sounds capable. ridiculous. He's the president of the local chapter. Like it's a fucking book club. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? That's how they portray themselves as an actual organization. Yeah, which is... It's bizarre. And all that stuff's fascinating to see how it's all... I don't know how accurate it is, but it feels pretty real when it get when he gets into it, when Adam Driver turns up. Adam Driver with his uh, wire on all the time. I kept thinking somebody's going to search him at some point or something. Me right? too. Because <laughs> he's got, you know, on occasion I was like, I can actually see the microphone like sticking out, like your shirt's bulging out. Like it just looks. It's very scary, those scenes. And it was portrayed in a way that wasn't quite as tense as it feels. No, where you're the... downstairs and he's like, we yeah. need a lie detector test on you. <laughs> I mean, I've been called an N-word lover. And said in my face, you know, what are you, an N-word fucker and an N-word this because just whatever, because I don't laugh at racist jokes and I don't go in on the conversation and I don't sit there and slam people for their race or their religion. Of course, I don't believe in any gods. So I get a lot of like, what the fuck are you kind of thing. And it's very intimidating. And when you're alone, like alone as in you're it, you're the only one who's not in line. It's very, you get this glimpse of humanity where you're like, maybe I should comply. Maybe I should just like, because I'm feeling the, he portrayed it in a way that made you understand how these groups can just, you know, well, to take a name from one of his other movies, bamboozle you into feeling like you have to be go along with them. It's very intimidating, and I thought that was portrayed right. Yeah, and um, let's move on to the cast. Uh, John David Washington plays Ron Stowler. Um What do you think of John David Washington? He's really good. <laughs> like, really, really good. I, I haven't actually seen him in anything. I'd, I had a look at other things he'd been in. He's, he's Denzel Washington's oldest son. He really does look like him and sound like him, I think. Sometimes, yeah. Mostly sounds like him, you know. Um, but uh, aside from him being Denzel Washington's son, I think he really pulled this off. Like, he was he was fully in it. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I am going to uh, be this guy. Not, I'm not being Mr. Washington. I'm going to be this guy. And uh, I was, he pulled it off completely. I agree. You know the part where he had to take the photo, where he's doing a, basically the 70s version of a selfie with a, with the guy? Yes. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> it was like, I was like, oh, is this the point when something really bad And the expression on his face when he did it. <laughs> it, was just, it was just amazing. But he don't think he really did it, so that's kind of a bummer. Right, but, but in the movie, uh, I was like, oh, wow, that's just, you know, effed up. <laughs> I'm funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really liked him. I would like to see more of him. He is very good. Adam Driver as well, Mr. Kylo yep. Ren, plays Flip Zimmerman. I'm not um, a huge, you know, I, Driver's fine, but this changed me a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, because the some of the dialogue he has to deliver when he's actually undercover as a racist, 
and he's talking to these racist guys and he's like he had to dig deep i reckon he really had you know? to some of the stuff he says is like oh he really he said that oh god <laughs> like what did your wife say when you got home after yeah. that shooting that day like oh. yeah it, the script his side of this script is it's hardcore it what is. he has to say and he just delivered it like it was just uh, it's very good Topher Grace plays David Duke. Now, Topher Grace, uh, I like him in Good Company. There's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he was a bit cartoonish with oh, this. Oh, I disagree. I think it was to do with that. Was he wearing a wig? I think so. He just looked like like a comic book character or something. Oh, I disagree. I, Thought it was fine. Um, I liked when he was having the phone calls with Ron Stalworth, though. Because... Ron Star was talking to the <clears throat> leader of the KKK on the phone. He can't believe his luck that he's actually got through to this guy. And it tells you something about the KKK when the Grand Wizard answers the phone. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like if the president answered the phone at the White House, you'd be like, what kind of operation you got going on? There? But those conversations are great because, it, you know, he's talking to this black guy who we would never talk to in a million years. And this guy's pretending to be. You know, this racist white guy. <laughs> and it's just a weird conversation. Do you think he was good? Talk yeah, I thought he did a good job because I didn't think it was cartoony at all. I thought it was appropriate. What do you think of Michael Buscemi as Jimmy? He was fine. I mean, kind of neutral. Didn't Weirdly, know I thought it was Steve Buscemi. Like, until about two-thirds of the movie had passed, I, th- I, kept th- I almost said to you, why are they using prosthetics on Steve Buscemi? Like, why are they trying to make him look different? Turns out it's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he looks different. I liked him, but he, he wasn't in a ton of scenes. No. Laura Harrier plays Patrice Dumas. Now, she's a fictional character. There was no love interest of um, our main hero in the real story. So how do you feel about that? Um, I always find that a bit... Ugh, but... I get it, you know? I, I mean, mean, I've watched enough movies in my life to it, understand. It's also not subtle. She's an activist. and It's very not subtle. She mm. is the, she's portraying the voice of African Americans as a group during this movement, you know, of... And that's why I think it's, it's a fair... It's not completely balanced, but on her side of it, she's like, you know calls the police pigs and they're the enemy and they're all killing us and you can't be friends with the enemy or whatever. And she's, she's the extreme of that. So it portrays that where you do go like, uh, that's a bit much too. Yeah. I get it. Some cops are shitty. And back then it must've been impossible, you know, to conceive of the racism that happened in any of our big institutions. And now, too, I'm not saying it's gone away, but that was a hot spot for her. So it seemed like, wow, she's showing me the extreme version from the other direction. Not that she's saying, well, you know, part of the um, the guy's speech was to arm yourself and kill the police. I'd rather you kill the police than go to Vietnam and kill yeah. Vietnamese. So that's that side. It didn't shy away from showing you that, that was, that's part of the thinking from the other half of the movements, you know, the other movement as, as such. So I thought that was fair. But yeah, she was all of that wrapped in together. Yeah. So she had to kind of wear um, 
hold the weight of it on her shoulders. So if you're thinking of the real story, you, you need to subtract her completely. Yeah. It's a movie thing. But she played it well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this is directed by Mr. Spike Lee. It's a Spike Lee joint. That's what he calls his movies. Mm-hmm. He directed many films. Many films, actually. I picked some of them. Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, 25th Hour, Inside Man, Miracle at St. Anna, Old Boy. Many, many movies if you go and look. Um, like I say, I have a love-hate kind of relationship with him. And this one's more on the love side. Nice. Um, along with Miracle at St. Anna. I really like Malcolm X as well. I think it's really ballsy, that movie. Do you like? Did you like that one? I don't remember fully. It's... It's pretty ballsy. It's like it almost feels like this. Like this movie's ballsy too, right? It's very, you know, to make. I felt this like movie, it wasn't as much as you think it is. It's like it didn't seem like whoa, people are gonna hate that. You know what I mean? I felt like I knew people would think it was kind of boring, which right? is always weird when you're talking about a movie like this. Um, but I didn't think it was like whoa, that's controversial. You know. What, are you talking about Malcolm X or this one? This one. It felt controversial to me. Um, I think it didn't feel controversial to me because of what I was saying about how he kind of depicted both sides in a way. Right. You know, so you had the taste of either point of view. It's controversial as in, like, you don't normally hear this kind of language in a movie, right? Um, I mean, not in a lot of movies. Maybe some. True, but in life, people would say they do. Yeah. Um, extras on the disc, uh, very slim, actually, um, which I was disappointed in because there's room for Spike Lee to talk about the real-life issues, etc., but there's a thing called a Spike Lee joint. It's like 10 minutes long. It's just, you know, interviews, cast stuff, and some on-set things. <clears throat> and then there's an extended trailer featuring the Prince does the song Mary Don't You Weep at the end on the credits. That version of the song has never been released before. It was exclusive to this movie. Well, they made like a trailer with that song playing over the top. Uh, And that's it. That's all the extras. There is no commentary. There is no discussion of the real thing or, you know, the real guy, the real Ron Stalworth is actually in the Spike Lee joint featurette, but it's very brief right at the beginning, and then the, then he's gone. So yeah, if you really want to know what he says about things, go to that historyversushollywood.com. They've got like a documentary on there. I know it's about halfway down the page, and uh, he talks for about fifty minutes on YouTube. So that's the way to get your extras. So in conclusion, Black Klansman. I think it's an important film. And I think it might, hopefully, I think, I was saying to you earlier, is this too controversial to be in the awards season? People might shy away from it. Mm. I'm hoping people don't shy away from it, and it does, because it is really well made, and it speaks a lot about today, right? (laughs) About any time, I think, of humanity, unfortunately. Yeah. So I would like to see it around Oscar season and, you know, all the award seasons that are coming up. Hopefully people don't shy away from it because they, you know, are either members of the KKK or <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be controversial. <laughs> so um, I recommend, I think it's an important movie. I don't think it's for everybody at all. 
Um, apparently, the trailer sells it as a comedy. It certainly is not a comedy, even no, though there is some... so weird. There's some satire in here and some funny dialogue. Kind of like the way Tarantino does funny dialogue, but it's kind of funny, but you're kind of like, should I be laughing at that? It yeah. feels like that. Um, but I do think it's important. I do think if you are somebody with a... If you're a fan of Spike Lee, it, Spike Lee doing his thing... And if you like, you know, a politically charged movie with, is it, is it fun? I keep saying fun, but is the core story actually fun? The story is not, but some of the characters Uh, bring a little bit of humanity to it. That can seem fun. So I, I, I would actually recommend it. I'm processing it still also. (laughs) So uh, I might feel different. But what about you? No, I enjoyed it. And I think it makes you, you know, like I said, it's a confirmation thing. It, it'll it convince you of what you already think. It could make you think maybe about some other things, other points of view. But overall, I enjoy the... Um, it's uncomfortable and a bit prickly, which is I like. Yes. I always like that. That's yes, that yeah. where you're like, ah, but then that could be because my point of view is of the you know racism is bad point of view, and so is it because I think that that I enjoy that like let's poke at people for being racist. I don't know, but I do enjoy it, so I guess I have to admit that. All right, so thank you to Universal for sending us a copy for review. Next week, we're looking at something entirely different. We're looking at the movie The Meg, which is a big giant shark movie. We will look at that next week. I don't think that one will be controversial. (laughs) Controversial if you like it, maybe. Yeah. So um, we'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on, well, vaguely on The Black Klansman here. I'm going for Miracle at St. Anna, which I think is my favorite Spike Lee movie. Uh, and I think it's also a Spike Lee movie that not a lot of people know because it's one of his smaller movies. And my other one is I was thinking of Adam Driver and then I was thinking of Kylo Ren and then I was thinking of Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. So, uh, yes. Shocking. That's not a controversial movie either. <laughs> well, some might <laughs> say it is in some different areas. Um and my recommendations are This is Where I Leave You, which is also Adam Driver. And in that one, I think it was the first time I've ever seen him. And I was like, I like that guy who and played Jason the brother. Bateman, right? Jason Bateman, yeah. yeah. But he played the brother. And I was like, I really like that brother. He was the baby of the family, troublemaker, a little bit broody, a little bit wild. And then uh, my other one is Just Out of the Blue. I think it's Underloved because I knew you had mentioned... You know, the Star Wars side of Mr. Uh, the Kylo Star Ren. Wars. <laughs> it's Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Doesn't get a lot of love, but it's a good show. It's oh, a whole show. It's not I've a movie. I've never heard of it. That's unfortunate for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one set of things with star in the title. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, You're right. Uh, Star Trek. A Scully <laughs> stuff. I have been playing more Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm up to chapter... Four, and probably 35 hours in. Um, I'm, I seem to be in the minority of the people who really love it. And I said to you yesterday, 
I turn it on and I was like, oh, I'll do some of the story missions, get some of the story missions done. They're really fun. And I ended up just doing like mulling around in the world. Oh, I'm just going to walk up and down this high street. I'm going to go and look in this store. I'm going to customize all my guns. <laughs> I'm going to go and play a game of cards over there. And next thing I've been playing for two and a half hours and I really didn't do anything in terms of the story. So I, uh, I'm still really enjoying just being in the world of it. It feels like you're really, like now, you know, this far in, I'm really comfortable with the controls, which are a bit daunting at the beginning. There's a lot of controls and a lot of systems going on. I know all of it now. I really like how you can just, if somebody's coming towards you, be it on foot or on a horse, you can hold the uh, left trigger and you can you can either, like, greet them or antagonize them. And I like greeting everybody, like, hey, mister, hey, what, hey, lady, you know. And they, they all say something different back to you. It's amazing how many lines of dialogue there are. And that makes you a better cowboy if you're very social with everybody. But you can antagonize everybody as well if you want. You can be an asshole. So, but I never choose that route. <laughs> but um, Red Dead Redemption 2, um, I've talked about it for the last two weeks. It's awesome i mean it's keep hearing criticism for it i understand some of the things i think you have to be a particular kind of person who likes like slow moving you know uh story based like there's a lot of mundane stuff in it that i actually enjoy it's like ooh, i have to get off my horse i have to brush my horse and then feed it and then i have to make sure he's all right like and pat him and some people might be like, no, screw that. I just want to shoot people, right? Yeah. No, I want to like do the bond with the horse and make the horse better. And then the horse, is, once the horse bonds to you, you can whistle wherever you are and the horse will always come running and find you. You know, it's just, I like all those mundane little details. And the other game we've been playing this week is Tetris Effect. And you can talk about this some because you love Tetris. I love it. I do. I'm not masterful at all obviously because we're just kind of beginners it's very, yes, it's very i mean i can get through a whole thing like we're i think we're pretty good we're probably middle of the road right are we middle i don't know that that level that i managed to model through last night i felt pretty godlike after that i felt pretty good about when i did it i was like <laughs> shit but when you were doing it i was like okay just hold your nerve hold your nerve because it was <laughs> tough um but it's true. Whatever they've decided about this Tetris Effect thing, absolutely, 100%. I buy into it. Because you get in this weird... I don't know, your mind just... There's just you and those It's called the Tetris blocks, Effect right? for a reason, yeah. right? Like, that makes sense. There's just you and the blocks. When you're figuring... When you're doing a level of Tetris, you can't think about anything else because your entire concentration needs to be on those blocks, right? You can't think about what, what, I'm, what I'm going to make for dinner later. You can't even... There is, it's impossible. You're just looking at these blocks and you're putting them in a nice pattern. You're just fitting them together. And you try try and think of something else while you're doing it. It's, you can't do it. What do you think about the actual... This is Tetris Effect. It's a, a PS4 exclusive. It's made by um, the guy who made Res and Luminez. And uh, what do you think about the presentation of the Tetris game? It was really good. It's like mesmerizing, it's I think like, is how I would describe it. It's a combination of things, right? It's um, really cool music, 
like you have to like I guess you have to like electronic music because most of it is it's like housey kind of kind of rhythm. But then you've got the different chants and things and sort of tribal songs and it's just mesmerizing. You just I just get into it as soon as it starts. You know we're on certain certain levels where you do it many times in a row because you can't do it the first time. And then there's this like, oh yeah, I love that. It just, I don't know. Do they do studies on your human reaction? There's something about music, the really fancy colored visuals, like the visuals are like, it can be anything. It can be windmills in the background or, I mean, it changes, doesn't it? Hot air balloons. Yeah. It's really fancy. It's like there's particles flying everywhere, like fire and wind and rain. And there's vibration in the controller that is synced to the beat of the music. So you feel it in your hand as well. And all those things together, they do something. It's like, I want to do this. This is really fun. It just It's like when you watch a movie, and I've said this many times, when you're watching a movie and they put the right piece of music in the movie and it plays at just the right time when James Bond's jumping out of a window and <laughs> the James Bond theme starts to well up it does something to you. You something your hair stands on end on the back of your neck is it gets you. Well, this game can do it when you're really in the zone of it and the music starts to pump up and the vibration is in your hand. There's some that that occurs, whatever that is. It's probably got a name. But yeah, it's the Tetris, Tetris effect. effect. <laughs> yeah, the Tetris effect. I think it's that's only, it. It's only on the PS4. It is an awesome game. Pick it up. It's. I mean, it's at this bare essential. It's Tetris, but it is a very fancy version of Tetris. So, what is for dinner, said Doc? I think we're going with the Jimmies. Don't know about you, but that sounds like the closest, the easiest. I'll have the same as you. All right. And <laughs> um, what is your advice? Um, it's not really advice. It's a question. Of course, this movie. And excuse me for yawning. <laughs> No, I'm not bored. is very bored with this movie. (laughs) No, I'm not. It's not really. It's just, I've never grasped. Obviously, we're all biased. We all have our own um, prejudices against whatever. I don't know if it's primal, if it's taught. Some of it's taught. Some of it's just self-preservation. I don't even know what it is. I don't know why. But I've always never, I've never understood actual hatred of, very specifically, African-Americans, black people, just because. I've never understood it. I was raised around it, deep in it, like really, it was just everywhere and it's still very prevalent where I'm from, but I've never got it. It's like something in my brain was missing or something different was switched on. I don't even know. And so as an adult, I've always had that going on where I just can't grasp the whole concept. And then I try to think, okay, let's say in an alternate universe, let's say Thanos universe, <laughs> or I can snap my fingers and say everyone I hate or that, that I see as beneath me, I can make them just disappear. Okay, snap your fingers, they're all gone, whoever they are. Then what? What is your end goal? Because as soon as you get rid of everyone that you don't like right now, and you narrow it down to the group of the people you think are superior... Then you're going to start picking on different things about those people. And you're going to say, well, this part of our group don't quite follow the same philosophy as us, so they're gone. They're out. Oh, wait, now I don't like the way they all decided to dress because we've decided how we all should dress. 
They're gone. I don't <laughs> like the way they believe. You know, they don't quite follow the same Bible as me or the same book as me or the same religion as me or the same lack of religion as me or the same government policies as me or the same economic ideology as me. So they're gone. Then what's your fucking goal? The end of that is you hey. standing alone, alone. There will be no one else. If you've decided that everyone else is inferior to you, there will be no end. That's it. So I don't understand. I understand that individuals make horrible choices and do horrible things to each other of all kinds, all nations, all races, all sexes, everything. That's just a, as a human fact. It's embarrassing if you had to sell yourself to some other, sell the idea of humans to some other alien race from another planet, right? Oh yeah, this is what we do. It's terrible. And groups can be easily led because people are stupid, right? Yes, very much so. Individuals can be intelligent. Cultures can be intelligent. Nations can be intelligent. But when you take a group of people, they can be very fucking stupid and easy to like hook them on a line and go like, uh, what's the thing that we need to tell this group to make them all fired up? Oh, it's that one thing. Oh yeah, let's tell them that. And then you pull them on like a fucking fish on a hook. That's not hard to do, right? So those people will make choices that are bad as a group, but come back to an individual usually who's come up with an idea that they then use and grab these, you know, I liken it to like hypnosis. People say, oh, well, it's, it's real, but you have to really be open to it. Well, I think you have to be open to fucking asshole behavior and ideologies to let it in and let it change your behavior in your life to become one of the horrible people on the planet. But it's very possible. So I can see how people point at a group and say, well, these individuals represent that group. Yeah. I mean, it isn't fair when you're talking about making policies and isolating whole entire groups in your society because of it. But I understand someone can represent some groups of people and their way they think and the things they're going to do. But it's complex. It isn't simple. And so for you to sit on your high horse with the Bible in your hand or whatever other religious book you have in your hand or on your hip or whatever, and say, I'm superior, you're inferior, therefore I'm, I'm, oh, it's okay for me to hate you, to wish harm upon you, or just want you to, to isolate yourself somewhere else, just leave me alone. Like it just, it makes no sense. I don't get it. So what is the end goal? If you have a hardcore prejudice in your mind about a group of people based on race or religion or let's say gender or, you know, sexual orientation, any of those things, not because of a behavior that's happened, not because someone's bombed a place or injured a person or molested a child. That's different. Those people are scumbags. That's period. There's no defending them. I'm talking about just groups of people who are living their lives, but they have a thing about them you don't like. So what do you want to happen besides sitting there feeling superior and then finding someone of a like mind and being all like bumping elbows? Yeah, man, we can fucking hate them together because we're a couple of, we're superior. Like, I don't get it. What's the, you know, on your dying breath, are you going to be able to say, yes, I accomplished my goal to rid my neighborhood of people who wear saggy pants? Because I hate them. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. So that's it. What's the goal? You will never get it. I won't. I probably won't. I'll lay on my dying bed someday and be like, I don't get it. 
<laughs> you will. I never understood this racist thing. I don't get it. All right, so catch our podcast at ascully.com. Did you remove sidsart.com? Long time ago. Well, you can go to sidsart.com. It does <laughs> still, still exist. It still still exists. And you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. You can also get it on the RSS feed. Just go to acecully.com, click on the word podcast. All the subscription options are there, including YouTube and Amazon devices on the tune-in. You can also... Oh, my uh, tablet woke up when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can email feedback to acecully at Do not email Sid Talk. She does not want anything from any of you. <laughs> That's not true. But it seems to work because I get no emails. So, That's you know. good. And uh, finally... Of the millions of people who listen to us, I get no emails. Uh, finally, stay classy, Mr. Spike Lee. Despite the flaws I find in your movies, <laughs> you do have a very awesome message. You'd be like, oh, thank you, Ace Scully. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. <laughs> Is that your impression of Spike Lee? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, he's like, really? Thanks. Like, are you trying to approve of me? I don't get it. It's funny. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, because if you're not doing it, someone is probably doing it for you. Thank you. <laughs>